Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to episode 590 of Dream Business Radio. I'm your host, Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, coming to you today from the beautiful west coast of Florida, where it's the some I think that's the Gulf of Mexico right behind me, which is casting such the light, but I think you've seen me enough. You know what I look like. Anyway, I launched this podcast 12 years ago to help you build your dream business so you too can live your dream lifestyle. And I got a great guest today. We're going to switch gears. We usually talk about marketing and stuff like that, but once in a while, you got to you got to hit the grown-up conversation. So we're going to talk about some uh, legal matters with Dan Kimball. Dan, how are you today? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm up in uh, Beaverton, Oregon, so uh, it's not raining here. I came from Southern California where it's raining cats and dogs, as you probably heard. Oh, but my it's, God. It's actually yes. dry and nice here now. Oh, my gosh. Well, anyway, yeah, we're kind of diagonally uh, opposites of the country anyway. Hey, uh, folks, this episode of Dream Business Radio is brought to you by my famous Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. And if you are somebody who wants to learn how to create multiple streams of revenue, um, create amazing brands, learn how to charge what you're worth so you too can work just three days a week, then you want to be part of this extraordinary virtual mastermind led by me, Captain Jim. This is my final year. 2024 is the last year for running this program. And then I'll probably be down to working one day a week. That's how it, that's how it goes. You can connect with me at getjimpalmer.com. Speaking of working three days a week and um, charging what you're worth, which is a big part of that, you can get a copy of my report, um, how to charge what you're worth and work just three days a week. It's at www.work3daysaweek.com, work3daysaweek.com. It's about a 12-page report where I detail exactly how I went from kind of just charging medium average rates to being able to um, create in-demand in and on-demand type of clients. Anyway, at the end of today's show, I'm also going to give you um, the URL or tell you how you can get free copies of my books which are no longer over my shoulder because I'm no longer in a home office. Anyway, let's talk to um, let's talk to Dan, and we're going to talk about um, protecting your intellectual property. Dan is a registered patent and trademark attorney with over 30 years of experience. Over his career, he has prosecuted and secured well over 1,000 patents and thousands of trademarks in a wide variety of technical and business areas. Dan is also an experienced IP licensed attorney, and he has assisted clients in capitalizing on their IP assets by licensing. Dan exp experiences, Dan's experiences and interests have helped him um, hone his skills in handling and advising companies and entrepreneurs on how best to secure and leverage IP to improve their business success. Dan believes that our best days lie ahead, as I do. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to have him on Dream Business Radio. Once again, Dan, welcome to the program. Glad to be here. Dan, I'm always curious. Um, you know, a lot of my guests, entrepreneurs, you know, they might go get a CPA, you know, degree, and and sometimes they do this, that, and other thing. Then they end up going the completely opposite direction, starting a business. You've been an attorney for a long time. So obviously you went to, you know, school, then law school. 
Um, this has been your your kind of your one and only glide path. Is that correct? Uh, well, not exactly. I, I think I always wanted to, to be an entrepreneur, uh, but I decided to, I needed a regular paycheck. So I started out uh, with the uh, legal route. One of my okay. neighbors growing up was a patent attorney and he told me, um, you know, it's great because you can do science, you can be around science, but you don't have to do it. So it sounded great to me. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. So I got to ask you, so you're in law school and I have no idea. I didn't even I didn't even go to community college. So what, at some point when you're going to law school, do you have to choose which path? Like if you're a doctor, you choose kind of what part of the body you're going to go for. Do you have to make that decision fairly early on or what? Uh, you, you don't actually have to. If you want to get a job, though, you probably should focus on an area that you like and, and you're good at. So um, I always thought I'd be a, a patent attorney. And in fact, um, it's kind of weird, but my worst grade in law school was in patent law, actually. Oh my, and my best grade was in criminal law and I had no intention of being a criminal law attorney. But um, anyways, I ended up uh, working for a uh, IP firm and I really liked it and um, decided, yeah, that's what I want to do. Even though I got a bad grade in patent law, I, I think I'm pretty good at it now. So wonderful. This goes to prove that uh, what you, what grades you get don't really mean much. Um, so I'm curious. Well, no, I'm not curious because I've had other IP attorneys, including my own on, as I told you when we uh, met in the green room there. But some people want to, well, what's the big deal about protecting and trademarks and, um, you know, all that kind of thing, especially for online marketers who put so much of our stuff out there. So if you would, let's do a little bit of a primer course for those people who are watching, listening. Maybe there's some folks just getting started, either publishing eBooks or putting their own blog blogs out there, their written word, all things like that. Give us the kind of the, the 10,000 foot view of, of protecting your intellectual property, Dan. Okay, sure. So I, again, we, I'm not sure the level of your audience, but I'll just kind of start out in general. They're very, very brilliant entrepreneurs, all of them, but they may not understand IP law. That's why I'm having you on. Okay, well, fantastic. So I'll just start from the beginning. So IP laws just basically covers things that aren't physical, like, uh, products of your mind in, in inventiveness. So start with patents. Those cover inventions. So if you invent a new device or a process or a new chemical or a new life form, even that covers that's covered by patents. And that's something that's uh, in the Constitution, actually, covers patents. So uh, there's a pat U.S. Patent Office, Patent and Trademark Office, where you have to apply and uh, you go through a uh, process where they evaluate whether your your invention is new and unobvious and whether um, you know the claims are adequate and then you'll get a patent hopefully at the end of the process. Okay. Next is trademarks. Trademarks are really a source identifier. So if you see the golden arches or um, you know some slogan, the ultimate driving machine, we know that's BMW. So those are trademarks. They identify the source of goods or services. So um, trademarks are very valuable because um, they carry with them goodwill. So if you have a great company and you introduce one product or service, then you offer another product or service. People will say, yeah, that's a good company. I like their, uh, their floor mats. So um, I'm going to like their dog bowls and other products. So that's goodwill and uh, trademarks help carry and promote your goodwill. Uh, next form is copyrights. So those cover works of authorship. Copyrights are also specifically covered in the U.S. Constitution. So mm. if you are an author, like you have your programs, you have your books, your radio program, it's covered by copyright. So somebody can't just 
um, flagrantly and slavishly uh, copy all your contents and sell it and, and call it Captain uh, Bob Jones uh, Ultimate Marketing Course or something like that. So Captain Craig Belline's Dream Business Radio, that would not fly, right? Because since I've put it out, that's my copyright, correct? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Craig. Whatever, whatever um, you say. Yeah. So what are what's what are some of the cost effective strategies because people like myself and and a lot of people that are listening right now um you might say um very creative got a lot to say whether we've written books or or ebooks or we we publish different materials uh, I, a lot of people do and i don't even know if something's not included like videos but even this interview and everything like that is the mere fact that I'm doing this, does that protect it? Or do you, does, do you, does an entrepreneur like myself have to take any additional steps in order to protect it? Well, actually, copyright is a very unique area. You automatically have copyright protection just by virtue of being the author. The problem is it's not really enforceable unless you go to the trouble of obtaining a copyright registration. So wow. you do have rights, but unless you have the registration, you can't sue. So um, what I recommend is that you cover all your content with copyright. So you put the copyright notice, which is the C in the circle, mm -hmm. uh, the year of creation, and your company name. So it would be C, 2024, Captain Jim Palmer, or whatever legal name you use. Okay. So that would be the copyright. And then um, just putting the notice on is useful because people will see that you regard it as a copyright. So it makes it very hard for them to copy you because they know that you're saying it's copyrighted. So that's very helpful. And if it's something really important, like if you wrote a book or a song, you should go through the trouble of filing for a copyright application and get a registration. It's pretty inexpensive. Um, I don't even do it for most clients. I show them how to do it maybe the first time set them up and then they say, you know, just do it yourself. It's not cost effective for me to do it for you. It's too expensive. So it's something definitely most people can do themselves once they understand the process. And the copyright office has a very good material on the website. Okay. So um, I just tell people, you know, I'll help you if you want help. If not, you can do it yourself. So um, Dan, for mm -hmm. online sellers like myself, I, you know, in addition to coaching, I have courses, I have books and things like that. So and, Online courses are kind of a big thing, been, been that way for a few years. What are, what are the best ways to navigate the copyright of your online courses? And, and by the way, some people that have interviewed said, you know what, you're going to get copied. People will pirate your stuff. So just keep producing, keep doing what you're doing and not look behind you. I kind of agree with that. But by the same token, if you create an online course and put the C and then 2024, you know, custom newsletters. Oh, we're back. Did you catch my question, Dan? Uh, no, I think we, it got cut off somehow. <laughs> well, this is what I get for planting this RV in the middle of nowhere. Um, if somebody's an online marketer and let's say they have online courses, um, is it enough to put a C, you know, the, with the circle in 2024 in your corporate name after it? Does that give you the legal protection to possibly go after somebody if they 
pilfer your stuff or copy your stuff. Yeah, yeah, it does. But again, you can't really sue them unless you have the registration. So I there see. is a there is actually a kind of omnibus registration you can apply. So if you have a website, what I recommend is regularly uh, get a copyright registration on all your content. So you can do it in one application. You don't have to do you know 50 applications. So it's uh, pretty cost effective. And then that gives you the ammunition. There's um, something unique about copyright law is they have statutory damages. Statutory damages are like predetermined amounts if somebody violates your copyright. And those are quite large, actually. So if, if somebody gets sued uh, and they have a registration, the, the plaintiff, the damages can really put um, fear in their hearts because mm. they can be quite substantial. So having the registration, which again, you can do in bulk, gives you that right to go after people. Another okay. thing also you should do is, you know, having good uh, trademark protection. So that way, you know, somebody can't steal your goodwill by copying a name or something close. Yeah. And I mean, getting a trademark is something you can do, but I, my experience, and I, I have, I, I got two of them early on, one for no hassle newsletters and one for the newsletter guru. And, it, and we had to go around, we had to go and two, two takes at bat, so to speak, because I got turned down once. So hence I have had a good attorney for that. Um, what, what is the advantage of that? Uh, if you're going to, you know, Let's say you got a, a million dollar business, five hundred thousand dollar business, or maybe two fifty. It doesn't matter. At what point should you get a trademark on on something? Yeah, if you're a vendor like on Amazon or Etsy or any of the online platforms, there's very good reasons to get a re registration. You know, Amazon has its uh, marketplace, and they have tools. And if you have a registration, you can avail yourself of the tools to stop infringers. So I've represented clients on both sides where the one who's been accused of violating a trademark and those protecting their trademarks. And if you're the person with the registration, Amazon treats you a lot better. And then if you're the uh, accused violator, uh, it's very difficult to win in the Amazon platform. They're their own legal ecosystem. In fact, yes. uh, you know, I have a good friend who does basically nothing but Amazon disputes. And he told me something, which at first I didn't believe. He said, you know, they will literally spend two minutes on your dispute and they decide. And once they decide, you kind of can't change your mind. And I've been wow. in many disputes and you have to feed, spoon feed them and you have to make it so super clear. And even if you do, you can lose. So yeah, it's, it's very beneficial to have a, a trademark in those um, situations. Uh, so that's the online vending. And then um, just in general, I think trademarks are great because you have the R in a circle, which that shows that you have a registered trademark. It makes your mark have more cachet. It looks like you're bigger than you may be because, mm -hmm. you know, you have a registered trademark. So you have legal rights. You have rights over the entire country. So even though you may be a, a local vendor or maybe one local area, you still can pursue people anywhere in the country. So and if you ever want to sell your business, it's an asset because now whoever buys it knows like, hey, this person is protected and they can um, kind of roll the mark out. And it's not just that narrow area. It kind of gives you a penumbra of protection. So if let's say you're selling uh, pet products and then you want to expand into um, something related like pet foods or pet clothing, then you can expand. So it's, it's highly beneficial.
to get treatment. That was the real it's not reason. that expensive. Yeah, that was the real reason I did it because I, I saw it as an asset if I wanted to sell the business, right? Um, one of the things I couldn't wait to get John here to ask is what about the rise in technology, Dan, including like AI and stuff like that? I mean, how do you, I mean, I don't, I do not fully understand how AI works and things like that, but it creates some crazy stuff that actually sounds like you would write it. What is, what is AI going to be doing to, to this whole profession? Yeah, that's been a that's been a huge thing, and I actually have been I've been reading many many books about AI, and some of them are very scary about the dire, you know, job loss and 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 this and that. And uh, you know, initially I was a little scared, and now I'm thinking, well, it's just like all these other technologies come along, they shake things up. Those who are prepared for it will probably do okay. Those who are clueless may you know suffer. Um, Remember the Luddites who were destroying machinery because it was these looms were putting them out of business. Uh, you know, that that was a real thing. And I think AI is going to be it's a real thing and it's happening very, very fast um, in the area of, of law. There's already been a lot of cases like deciding, well, what if uh, AI writes a book? Can 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 you get a, a copyright on that? And that's already been decided. No, you can't. If AI writes it and you're not the author, it has to be a human. And AI is not a human. So that's been determined. <clears throat> but AI can help you. It can leverage your, your mental powers. Uh, I use it every day, actually. And uh, I've kind of used it as a replacement for Google searches. So mm. I, not really a replacement. I use both. But it helps me like find out if there's other ideas out there or maybe there's some other concepts that I'm not aware of, and then I check it. Somebody uh, wrote that AI is the best bullshit machine ever invented, and I kind of agree. <laughs> it's, it's a dangerous tool because oftentimes it's really wrong. And I don't know if you've seen um, those images generated by AI, and uh, yes. sometimes they're very weird, like people have three hands, and they'll have text on their shirts, and it'll be gibberish. And you can tell oftentimes it's generated by AI because it's completely nonsense. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's the nature of AI. It'll get better. But right now, you know, you got to take it with a large grain of salt because it's uh, it's not always right, but it does provide content and it does provide some ideas for you to noodle over. Are there any specific requirements that uh, entrepreneurs need to meet in order to apply for some sort of protection for their intellectual property or, or i'm sure it probably varies among what type you're trying to protect right yeah yeah absolutely so again for like patents if you want to file for a, an invention um protected with a patent it has to be a new invention and it has to be unobvious so let's say you invent a pencil that has a, an eraser on the end and then um, it has on the front a little light. So it lights up when you're writing. Well, that's that's maybe new when it was invented, but it probably would be obvious because there's other lights on things. So it has to have the first hurdle, it's a new, and then second is an obvious. And so that's for patents. And then you have to uh, you know, uh, go through the application process and it will be examined and somebody will determine if it's patentable. Then you have to pay fees. For right. trademarks, there's, um, you know, they also do an examination process to see if there's any other marks like it. 
So, you know, you have Dream Business Radio. If somebody comes along and tries to uh, get a trademark for a Dream Business TV uh, and it has the same kind of logo, uh, they'd probably be stopped because it's too close. Uh, radio okay. and TV are similar. So there's an application process. If it's confusingly similar, you won't be able to get it. I always encourage people before you select a trademark, you really need to do good to do a good search because you don't right. want to fight. You don't want to step in a big pile of you know what, yeah, and uh, get it all over you. So yeah, and the fee is the same to apply. So you you better find out early. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing I was wondering about because even through my company No Hassle Newsletters, I've had customers, monthly customers in twelve different countries. What steps does a business need to take to protect their intellectual property internationally? Or is yeah. there anything you can do? Yeah, there are, well, copyrights are international. So if you get a U.S. copyright, it actually covers you in most of the world. Um, uh, there are some like benefits to registering locally. So if you want to bring a lawsuit, we usually would uh, recommend to clients that they register their, their copyright in that, that country. Um, patents are all national. So if you get a U.S. patent, it stops somebody from making, using, selling, importing, or distributing uh, covered goods or services in the U.S. But if somebody, let's say you make a, um, invent a um, new kind of machine and somebody in China, China makes it and sells it to Europe, unless you have a European patent or a Chinese patent, they can do it. There's nothing you can do. But there's, there's, there's treaties where if you have a U.S. patent, you can... A file within like one year in China and get the benefit of the U.S. filing date, but you still have to go through the application process. Trademarks are also, you need a trademark in the country where the goods or services are being offered. So a U.S. Okay. trademark doesn't help you in Vietnam. You need to get a Vietnamese trademark. So, yeah. So I want to ask you a question. Please feel free to say, yeah, I'm not going to go there. If it's a sticky wicket, you'd rather not go there. But a lot of... Um... Well, some people that I know are getting these notices from attorneys that they've used a photo, perhaps in a blog or somewhere online, and they're demanding $1,000, $3,000, and they get really nasty really quick. What is that all about? Well, yeah, that's the statutory damages we talked about. So okay. if, if and what, what a lot of um, copyright holders do is they, they license it or they they put the um, monitoring in an organization. And so what they'll do is they'll imprint like a, like a digital signature. And they have these mm -hmm. web crawlers that are going all over the web looking for the images. And if they find it, that you will get a letter and it's probably generated automatically. So you'll get this letter saying, you know, you've infringed and you have a, you have a chance to settle right now for $500 or whatever it is. And what I usually do is if it's, if it's a real small amount of money and um, it's truly a copyright violation, which we check, then I might say, you know what, um, if you have that $500 and you want to avoid the trouble, maybe just pay it because they theoretically could go after you for a lot more. If, if it's a big number, then we usually stall mm -hmm. and try to negotiate down. And it often works because some people just give up. But uh, it can be it can be a sticky wicket, as you say, if uh, if it's really a violation. So what I always recommend to clients: don't just grab other people's images or copy their content, because 
you know, it may have a digital signature and you could get into trouble. Create your own content. Uh, you know, there's something called the Creative uh, Commons and they have a lot of information, photos that you can copy for free. Um, and, you know, like old images, photographs. The Met has a lot of images that you can copy for free. Um, Wikipedia, in fact, all of their images are in Creative Commons. So if you want an image of something, you can take it from Wikipedia or get it from Creative Commons and you won't have a problem. Or just take your own pictures, make your own artwork. What does litigation... Okay, I'm sorry. What does litigation typically look like if it unfolds? And I guess some people are saying, well, they're asking 500. Are they really going to go to court and hire an attorney for $500? I mean, uh, is it a lot of scare tactics? You know, it, it, that's a good, that's a great question. Um, it, it depends. If it's like, um, if you're a big guy and you have a lot of money, um, sometimes they do. And if you, there's been a lot of copying, you know, then there's an issue. If it's just a one-off, um, not really a problem. I'll, my my daughter's an artist, and she has used images of like photographs and stuff like that. And I think mm -hmm. on occasion she's gotten those letters, and she usually just says, "I'm sorry, I wasn't aware of it." And then it usually just it's always gone away. So if it's wow. just a one-off thing, I think you can usually get away with it. But um, you know, it depends. Can't can't give you a, a black and white answer. Yeah, that's certainly not your legal advice to anybody listening today. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. What? So I always have a lot of um, there's startups and and newish newer entrepreneurs. I guess listen to um, Dream Business Radio. What advice do you have for them as they begin to publish their own blog and and things like that? At what point should they, other than you know as you said earlier the the copyright C etc. What else should they be doing as they kind of unfold their whole online business? Yeah, I would say uh, start with your name. So make sure your name is available and you're not going to be uh, infringing. And you don't want to get a name that's just so boring and generic and descriptive. You want something unique because that's kind of going to be your moniker, right? So you want yeah. people to remember it and it's, it could be funny. Um, you actually had a guest on your program who does trademark stuff. And um, I bought her book and it was very good. On like how to select uh, good brand names. So uh, yeah, I think uh, select a good brand, make sure it's available. Um, like again, use your copyright notice on stuff. And if it's important, go ahead and do your own copyrights. Uh, if you have anything in inventions, there's a way to file like a cheaper patent application called a provisional patent application to protect ideas. Um, I think you can be, as an entrepreneur, you can be very strategic in how you spend your dollars because dollars are not are not unlimited. So you need to be careful and you can do a lot of stuff yourself. And mm -hmm. by being careful, you can, you know, be in a good position by just, you know, spending money wisely. If a small business owner wanted to do the the trademark process on their own, what what are some of the mistakes they should avoid. I'm sure you've seen quite a few. Yeah, I think it starts with uh, selecting the right mark. Uh, they, uh, there's some uh, search engines, like the USPTO website has a very rudimentary search engine that's quite bad. Uh, I use it as an initial searching engine, but I don't rely on it because it misses many important um, 
marks. I mean, it's it's kind of awful actually sometimes. So I don't rely on it, but it's a first screening search. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what was tell, ask the question again? I lost my train of thought. Um, what were some of the mistakes you see uh, people make who initially want to go through the trademark process themselves? Maybe it doesn't no. go well, then they come to an attorney. Yeah. Uh, so again, like making sure your mark's strong and it's available, uh, making sure that when you describe what you're doing, that it's accurate. A, a thing I see a lot is people will file a trademark application and they're including things they're not actually doing, and they file it as an actual use trademark office. There's two kinds. Uh, one's called actual use. One's called in, intent to use. Okay. So you can file either one, but um, you got to be really careful that you don't include things that you aren't doing. Um, otherwise, uh, your your application is subject to attack. So that's got I it. see that all the time where people list stuff that they plan on doing, but they're not doing it and they file as an actual use. So if you're going to do that, make sure you file as intent to use. Um, Good stuff. Well, this has been very informative, Dan. How can, um, if people want to, if people do want to get some professional help and want to reach out to you, how do they do that? Uh, great. Yeah, they can contact me. I have a, a, a website up uh, at my law firm, uh, kb-ip.com, and you can find me there. I also have another website, well, it's actually on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash caniPatentIt.com. The first one was, did you say KB? Yeah, KB-IP.com. That's my law firm's website. Okay. And I'm there. And then I'm also, I also have a website, you know, at Facebook, a connection there, and you can reach me there. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to make sure I get it right in the show notes. So, Dan, thank you so much for coming on. I greatly appreciate your time today. Thanks, Jim. See you again soon. You bet. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Dan Kimball. Make sure you do it and do it right. <laughs> Protect your intellectual property. And you can connect with him at kd-ip.com. You can connect with me at getjimpalmer.com. That's my home base. Again, if you're interested in joining me and about 24 other smart entrepreneurs, all designed and ready to build their dream businesses, connect with me at getjimpalmer.com. Ask about the opening that I have in the dream business mastermind and coaching program. Thank you, Craig Belleen. Let me put this up there real quick. There, Craig's always uh, got my back there. Um, this video will be replaying on YouTube, which is a good way to share it if you'd like to um, share it and, and uh, share Dan's intelligence and experience with other people you know that missed this whole social media part. Uh, that'll be up uh, tomorrow morning. Oh, and I forgot to tell you, you can get free copies of all of my books, my dream business books in the digital format. They are obviously at Amazon. They're Kindle books. Download them for free. You don't have to opt in. No, nothing. At Barnes & Noble, they're um, Nook books, and they are also in the iBook store. But that's it. Until this time next week. Let me think real quick. Yes, I have a guest next week. I just had a, had a cancellation, but I had somebody coming on. So until this time next week, Another fantastic interview here on Dream Business Radio. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and you take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. <laughs> See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.